Welcome to our first Grace Baptist Church live stream. I can just picture you all gathered around your computers, your phones, you have your Bibles open, you have a pen, you're ready to go. It's been fun to watch the comments as people are coming online, and it's exciting to be here with you today. It's an unusual thing looking at an empty auditorium. We have uh, Justin Yo is running the, the camera and all of that for us. Michael is back there with the sound. And Jacob is here for moral support. And we're glad that uh, all of this is going on. And we're glad that you are gathered together with us around your computer, your phone. And uh, it's just good to be here. I want to make a couple of announcements. First of all, I hope this is working. <laughs> if there are any technical glitches, we promise we will improve. We are going to be doing some things to improve the broadcast as we go. Um, but this is our first. And it's, it's an exciting time. And it's unusual speaking to a camera instead of speaking to people, but I can just picture you all behind the camera right now. Uh, I do want to make a couple of announcements. I know that many of you already know that Thelma Rodhamel went home to be with the Lord, and uh, she is she's with Jesus. She's with her family that have passed before her, Mike and Sonny. And uh, the thought that I had is the first people that Laura and I met from Grace Baptist Church when we came 23 years ago, last November, for the first time to visit, uh, the people that took us to dinner were Sonny and Thelma Roadhandle. And so 23 years ago, and now they're both in heaven. And uh, so we're praying for that family. The funeral will be at Cromus Edwards Funeral Home at, uh, on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. The viewing will be from 11 until 1. So if you'd like to come by and, and speak to the family, you can do that then. Again, the funeral is at 1 o'clock at Cromus Edwards Funeral Home on Wednesday. Uh, a couple of things, uh, just be in prayer for your brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that this is an unusual time, and uh, so let's, let's be in prayer for each other. Let's make sure that, that our senior citizens are cared for, and uh, let's, let's just enjoy this time together. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I do hope you have your Bible there in front of you, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As you can imagine, we're going to be turning in the Scriptures. So make sure that you have your Bible in front of you. And look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's read that again. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. What is this treasure? It's the glory of God that has shone in our hearts. We have that. This morning, I'd like to speak to you on the subject, Being Light in Darkness being light in darkness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as, as our families are gathered around the computers here in Sydney and in Troy and in Piqua and in Wapakoneta and all around this area, New Knoxville and, and Salina and all over, and then as people are gathering with us by Internet around the country and even around the world, Lord, we're just thankful that we have this opportunity to gather together in an unusual way. And Lord, in this time of darkness, you've given us some instruction as to who we are to be and how we are to behave. So, Father, I pray that we do get some instruction and encouragement from your word today 
In Jesus' name, amen. Notice what the Bible says in verse 6 again. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Notice that he didn't suggest it. He didn't hope. He commanded and it happened. Now, what is he talking about here? So keep your place here in 2 Corinthians and go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. All the way back at the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. Notice what it says. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. This was the command of God. God commanded it. The, the, the Bible tells us in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Then listen to what the Bible says. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So God the Father ordained this to happen. Jesus Christ spoke, and then the Holy Spirit of God executed it. God the Father ordained, God the Son spoke, and God the Holy Spirit executed. That is the Godhead working in creation. So hold your place here in Genesis. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and notice what it says. Verse 6 again, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts. So the same God that spoke everything into existence, the darkness that was in the world, no light at all, God spoke that into existence. I think you all know that I have a favorite commentator, and his name is John Phillips. We've spoken about him in the last couple of weeks. He went home to be with the Lord, I guess, I don't know, five or six years ago now. And his funeral was at Gospel Light Baptist Church. Pastor Bobby Robertson, uh, Bobby Robertson did the funeral, and uh, Brother Phillips was a member there. Listen to what it says, or what, what John Phillips said in his commentary. He said, Then God spoke... That was all he needed to do. He said, light be, and light was. Just like that. His word is not only legislative, it is executive. He speaks and it is done instantly. Light burst forth upon the planet and the darkness was dispelled. I want you to think about something. We live in a time of global darkness. Global darkness. There's, there's uncertainty in the world. And in that uncertainty, whether the media is hyping it or whether our government officials are hyping this, if they're, whether or not they're overreacting, we don't have any idea. We just don't know. Those of us who are not on the inside of those discussions, we don't have any idea. I have seen all kinds of conspiracy theories flying across the Internet, and I know that you're seeing those same things. Here's what we know. We can only know what they tell us. And right now they've asked us to stay in our homes, to only go to our workplaces, to be careful as we enter into our workplaces, to make sure that we're not sick. They've asked us as a church to gather digitally. These are, these are the things that we know for sure. That is what we know. But imagine if you did not have the hope of eternal life. Imagine where your mind would be if you did not have the light of Christ. See, the worst possible outcome for us is actually the best possible outcome. It, if this pandemic killed every person on earth, that would be horrible for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But if that is the worst outcome, ours, that would be the best outcome for us because we get to be with Jesus. We'd be gathered together around his throne, giving him praise and glory. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. That would be the best outcome for us. Now, let me say this. That's not what's going to happen here. That's not what's going to happen here at all. The darkness that we are viewing is the darkness that John Phillips was speaking about. Let me continue reading what he wrote. And he's referencing John 1, I'm sorry, Genesis 1, 1 through 3. All of this is not only actual history, the divine account of what actually happened way back in the early dawn of time. But listen, this is so good. But a lesson in spiritual reality as well. For man was created perfect in the day he sprang, instant with life from the hand of God. He stood there robed in light, crowned with the glory of God, as like God as a created being could be. Monarch of all he surveyed and Lord of a domain which once perchance was Lucifer's own. For an unspecified period of time, he walked in the light of God's presence bathed in the rainbow hues of God's smile, enjoying daily encounters with the Lord, his God. Can you imagine what that was like? And I love the way that he says it. He says, as like God as a created being could be. That was Adam in the garden, completely sinless, worshiping the God who created him. It's amazing. But he goes on. Then came the fall. The light went out. Darkness descended. The spirit departed. Empty and void, Adam faced a world which had suddenly grown menacing and cold. The animals snarled or fled at his approach. Nature no longer smiled. Thorns and thistles spread over the world. Sin had entered and death by sin and darkness reigned. God would have to speak again. As he had spoken in creation, now he must needs speak in redemption. Only now, the entrenched darkness, native to man's fallen soul and darkened spirit, would stubbornly resist the light. John chapter 3, Jesus says, men don't come to the light because they love darkness. They are lovers of darkness. Back to John Phillips, still. Light is stronger than darkness. And when God sovereignly, sovereignly commands it to shine into a darkened heart, shine, it does. Shine, it does. Look at our text again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. I guess a thought that I had never considered was introduced to me by John Phillips' commentary just this morning. And that is that, Remember that darkness was in the world and that light shone. When God created the heaven and the earth and then there was that darkness and void, that emptiness, that darkness, that when man fell, remember God said, let there be light and that light shone and man was created in that light. But then when the fall came, that darkness that was described, that emptiness the formless void, that's what man's soul became, a dark void of sin. Now, the world, the universe could not resist God's command for light to shine. 
And when man responds to the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, do you know what happens? God does that same creative work. The Bible says that we are a new creature created in Christ Jesus. When God says that we are born again, when we receive the gospel, God commands that light to shine, not on us, but in us. We become a new creature. Not only are we walking in the light, as the Bible says, but we, are, we have become that light. We bear that light. We have that light in us. So right now, in this dark time, when we have friends and neighbors that are afraid, when we have people that are concerned about the economy, about their future, about their job, when we have people in their homes, many families are together in a way they've never been before. We could always go, to, go shopping. We could leave and go somewhere. Right now, many of us are in our homes. And some of you folks, you are with your children. And I'm watching on the Internet as people, not, not our people, not church people, but as people in general are complaining about being with their children. And I have a thought. Number one, I love being with my family. We love being together. I can't imagine raising kids that I don't want to be with. And if you are in that situation, just as an aside, and you are with your children and you don't like being with them, maybe you have not done a good job of raising them. I think that for many of our homes right now, that this is going to be such a wonderful opportunity for parents to parent their children biblically. You know, as families who don't know God are with their children, and you can see all over the Internet, uh, people are giving suggestions of what to do when you're with your children. I can't imagine needing advice on what to do when I'm with my kids. But you see that. Here's what needs to happen. We as believers, we need to live as light in this darkness. And that includes how we communicate with the world about our own home, about our own family. Now, I am certainly not suggesting that we misrepresent our homes. What I'm saying is we need to make sure that our homes exemplify what a Christian home ought to be because we are light in this world. And I was talking with Maureen Joins this week and she was talking about how their family is together right now in a way they haven't been in a while. And my thought was, and I expressed it to her, well, enjoy that. Because as she knows, and as all of us know, our older kids, they're, they're going away. They're going to be moving away. The, the, the Lydia teaches in Columbus. Jacob will have another year of school, and then hopefully someone will hire him, and he'll be living somewhere else. As we have these things going on in our lives, man, right now, let's enjoy these times together in our homes, with our families. And I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in chapter 3. So we're in chapter 4. I want you to go back to chapter 3 and look at what Paul says in verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? This is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, look at this. Do we need this? Epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you. So what he's saying is, do I need encouraging letters from you, or do you need encouraging letters from me? Do, do we need that? Is that the foundation of who we are? 
And this is the way that, so right now, remember, we're, we're kind of cut off from our social interaction by social distancing. Do we need that affirmation to maintain our joy? Look at what Paul says. Verse 2, ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of men. Remember, epistle is letter. You are our letter. Verse 3, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us. Look at this. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. You are a living book. You are a living epistle of the Holy Spirit of God. You are a living letter to the people around us. See, here's the deal. People know that we're Christians. People know that. And the way that we interact, the way that we respond during this time of crisis will demonstrate the reality of our faith to them. So that's why we have to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. See, the fear that comes, that's from the flesh. The Holy Spirit of God does not give you fear. How do I know that? The Bible says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's how we can be light in this world. It's not by behaving a certain way. It's by being what Christ has already made us. We are that epistle. And it's interesting. Look at what it says in verse 5. Not that, and this is chapter 3 and verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Folks, we're saved. I had this thought. I wrote it down. but I had actually started writing a different sermon than what this has turned to be. But on my notebook here, I have the thought that I had written, and that is we are a blessed people and we are a prepared people. As far as the blessed people, Justin Yo and I were back in the sound booth and we were looking at the equipment and the opportunity to do this live stream. And I just said to him, can you believe we have all of this? It's just a few years ago, we wouldn't have been able to do this. The, for us as a church, this is the perfect time for this to happen. It's amazing. But so I wrote, we are a blessed people, but I also wrote this, we are prepared people. Because the heartbeat of Grace Baptist Church is glorifying God by exalting his word. See, we know God's word because of our one-on-one -on -one discipleship, because of the way that we communicate the scriptures, line upon line, precept upon precept, the way that we understand scripture by comparing scripture with scripture and traveling through the word of God every week. We are so much better prepared to handle this crisis than even some of our brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not enough. That's not enough. Notice again what verse 5 says. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. But look what it says. But our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. How can we be light in this darkness while all of this is going on? How can we be light? By believing, by resting in by accessing the sufficiency that we have in God. Now, notice what it says in verse 6. This is interesting. Who also, this is another thing that God has done, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Able ministers of the New Testament. What's the New Testament? Salvation is of grace. It's a faith by grace. That's it. 
That's the New Testament. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was sinless. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He rose from the dead, proving that he is, was, and always will be God. And if we'll place our faith and trust in that sacrifice, believing in that Lord Jesus, confessing our sin to him, acknowledging that we need him and that we have no hope of salvation on our own. That's the New Testament. We are able ministers of that, not only by our word, but by our life. We are living testaments to the salvific nature of the gospel. He changes us. He makes us new. Where we had darkness in us, now we have light. Folks, we've got to let that light come out, especially in these times of darkness. I love this. Look at verse 8. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? <laughs> I love that. Rather glorious. What is this ministration of the Spirit? That's you and I in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the sufficiency of God share our faith with other people. We minister the spirit to other people. Isn't that rather glorious? What's he talking about? Look at what it says in verse seven. But if the ministration of death, what in the world is the ministration of death? Written and engraven in stones was glorious. That's the 10 commandments. When Moses came down from the mountain, the second time he had these tablets of stone that were written with God's own finger. Was that glorious? Of course that was glorious. The encounter was so glorious, Moses had to put a veil over his face to keep from freaking out the people at the bottom of the mountain. It was glorious. You know what the Bible says? That was a ministration of death. Why was it a ministration of death? Look at Exodus chapter 19. Of course, keep 2 Corinthians, but look at Exodus chapter 19. This is interesting. Exodus chapter 19, look at verse 8, look at verse 7, Exodus 19 and verse 7. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. Now look what it says in verse 8. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. See, what did they do? In their arrogance, they looked at the law of God and said, yeah, I got this. Yeah, we can do this. No worries. We've got this. And what did that redound to in their lives? Death. Death. You see, the law was not insufficient. The people trying to keep the law were insufficient. You see, the law was not flawed. The people were flawed. And what the law did was it demonstrated, the, the Apostle Paul used the perfect word, it's a schoolmaster, it taught me death. I realized that by the law, all I could do was die. It's interesting, look at Acts chapter 15, the Apostle Peter gave some information about this, Acts chapter 15, and look at verse 10. Acts chapter 15. Now remember what's happened. They're gathering together, the apostles and leaders, and they're trying to figure out what to do with the law because remember that there were a lot of people who were following Christ, but they were still shackled to the law. They were still slaves to the law. Look at what it says in verse 10. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God 
to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. That weight of the law, that's the Old Testament. That burden on the necks of people that they cannot bear, that's the Old Testament. The New Testament, look, this is, this is great. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What's the difference between that Old Testament? Again, look, look at verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, that glory, that, that reflection in Moses' face, it went away. How then, I'm sorry, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious. Look at verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. But notice I said that they were shackled to the law which brought death. They were enslaved to the law and that brought death. Look at verse 17, chapter 3. Now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Praise God. We have liberty. We have joy. We know God. We're free. The New Testament, that's what we are ministering to people. Remember, the worst result is the best result for us. The worst outcome of a pandemic is the best result for the believer. What wonderful hope that is. Now, what are we supposed to do with that hope? Look at what it says in verse 18 of chapter 3. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. It's a mirror. As in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed, look at this, into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what are we supposed to do with that? We've turned into the glory of God. That's an amazing thing. That's what happened in us when we're saved, when we're born again. But what are we supposed to do with it? Look at verse, chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. What is the ministry? The ministration of the Spirit. Look at what it says. As we have received mercy, we faint not. Have you received mercy? Then don't faint. If you've received mercy, what is mercy? It's not getting what you deserve. It's Jesus Christ paying our penalty on the cross so that now I stand before you redeemed, completely clean and saved. Now, in my flesh, there's no good thing. I am a sinner, but I stand before God clean, not based on my righteousness, but by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So now look at what it says, middle of verse 1 of chapter 4. As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. I hope you'll notice this morning what we're doing with the word of God. There's been no interpretation. We're just reading it. That's all that we're doing. We're not handling it deceitfully. God said this. We believe it. Now what are we supposed to do? Right here. Verse 2 again but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Look at, but by manifestation, making plain, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, as we behave in front of others, we're doing that in the sight of God. But what are we doing? We're commending ourselves to other men's conscience. That means our behavior must not violate their conscience, Unless it's the righteousness of our behavior that's violating their conscience. Verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Remember we talked about darkness? Verse 4. 
in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of this world is Satan. He's blinded their minds. Middle of verse 4. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Look at this. For we preach not ourselves. It's not the gospel of Jim. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Look how timely this verse is. Verse 8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. We don't know what's going on, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Christ might be man, made manifest in our body. This light, this life, it needs to be shown plainly in this body. That is how I present myself to the world. Remember, chapter 3, verse 2, ye are our epistle written on our hearts, that you are a living letter from God to the world. We've got to let that shine. We've got to let the world see it. We've got to let the world read us. When the world looks at your Facebook page, when the world looks at your Twitter account, when the world looks at the emails, the interaction, the phone calls that you are having with lost folks or even other believers during this time, what are you manifesting? Are you manifesting fear and frustration? Are you manifesting joy and hope? See, this is our opportunity to light. This is our opportunity to shine. This is our opportunity to represent Christ in the darkness. You know, you might be watching this. You've stumbled across this website. And you're looking at this guy talk to a camera. And you've, you've never heard, or if you have heard the gospel, it's never resonated with you. I hope that right now you understand that you are either in darkness or you are in light. Those are only two options. You have been born into a world of darkness. You must be born again into a world of light. How do you do that? You just realize that you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ became a man. He's God. He took on flesh and bones when he was born, and we celebrate that at Christmas. But then he died on a cross after living an absolutely sinless life. He lived that life and then died on a cross that he did not deserve to pay for your sin, to pay for my sin. That's what he did on the cross. But then he did what a man could not do. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He paid your penalty. He paid for your sin so that now, because he shed his blood, your sin can be washed away by that blood. But you have to ask him to do it. If you'll just believe. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you will call in the name of the Lord right now, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for my sin. I believe that you're God. I believe that I deserve hell. And I believe that you paid for my sin on the cross. You rose from the dead. I believe that you're God. Lord, I can't save myself at all. I deserve hell. Please, Lord Jesus, save me. Please, Jesus, save me. Do you know if you'll ask him to do that? Do you know what Jesus will do? For whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. When you ask him to save you, do you know what he does? He shines that light in your heart. You'll never be the same. It'll change your life forever, and it'll change your future forever. Your future will change from hell to heaven. And your life now will be a life of liberty, as we saw in verse 17. I hope that right now that you'll take the time to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. The rest of us, let's be light. Let's be light in darkness. Let's ask the Lord. We might need to confess our frustration to him and maybe confess our lack of faith to him. And let's, you may have already expressed faithlessness to a lost person. Do you know what you need to do? Reach out to that lost person and say, you know what? I expressed faithlessness to you. I believe in God. Let me tell you the way I should have responded. Folks, let's be light in darkness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray now that as believers, that we can represent you well in this time of darkness. That as a church, that we interact with each other, that we stay communicating. Lord, that we we represent love to the world. Lord, if there's someone here who has asked you to save them today, what a wonderful thing that is. And then, Lord, if there's someone here who's heard this message and they've not asked you to save them yet, that they will right now stop what they're doing and ask you to save them. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I'm so glad that you've watched our first live stream broadcast. Right now, maybe we could take a virtual offering, go on the website and give or or mail it in. But so much more important than, and of course, the the finances are important. We've got to pay the bills. That's the least important thing in this broadcast. The most important thing is that we are light in the world. Man, I look forward to seeing you in this same place. I'll be in my office. We'll be on live stream at uh, Facebook Live on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, Lord willing. And I'm going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you'll have your Bible, your notebook, that you'll be ready to hear and interact with the Word of God. It's been great to be with you this morning.